so sure I was going to have just the worst day locking myself out, dropping that joint, and I didn't. I really was happy about I'm, that. You know what? I'm actually proud of you because you took what could have been a really bad day and it could have like um, spiraled into a bad day. <laughs> See? And made it a good day. Right. So I'm proud of you. You manifested a great day. <laughs> I did think that something happened. What was I? Oh, I did almost I did almost cry. There was a moment <laughs> when I first locked myself out of the office. Because I've seen you cry and it's it's not disturbing, but it's. Jeez, <laughs> the that's the only word you can think. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking Oh my for? god, it's um, <laughs> never mind. Okay, so yeah, I'm glad you didn't cry though. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> All right, hey everybody, you're listening to Creep It Real, <laughs> and I'm Ashley, <laughs> and I'm Bianca. There she is. Welcome back. <laughs> Just so y'all know, the shirts are ordered for all Woo-hoo. of our patrons. And, if you would, and me. Oh, and and of course, you. <laughs> and me. If you would like to order a shirt, they will be available on our website, which will be creepitrealpod.com, which we will be launching as soon as we get our shirts in stock. And, and, well, and uh, beware, everyone. There's a burning building on the front. <laughs> it may be demonic, that shirt. <laughs> Don't be inviting those demons into your life with this shirt. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway. Those of you in the know, no. <laughs> those of you in the know. Continue on. We want to thank all of you who have submitted five-star reviews to our little iTunes situation over over on iTunes.com. <laughs> thank you. www.itunes.com. And then you search Creeper Real Broad. Then you just give us five stars and say, oh my gosh, they're so great. Mm-hmm. I learned so much. That's what you do. So now, without any further ado... We discuss a topic that I've been dying to do because of the lack of understanding um, that the general public does have regarding it, and, and which I think is due to media representation. And the subject is hoodoo. Mm. And it may also be because there's a lot of diverse information about it too. There is. There's, <laughs> there's partly that too. <laughs> there's a lot. There's diverse information. There's conflicting information. Yes. We just. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a lot of, it's like, like you said, it's like saying, let's talk about, let's talk about Christianity. And mm-hmm. it's like, what do you mean about that? There's a bajillion there's different so many mixtures exactly. of that. Yeah, so. There's Lutheran, there's Baptist, and with hoodoo, voodoo, I, all of the different, well. So like I almost just did, oftentimes hoodoo is lumped in together with voodoo or even considered to be voodoo. It's funny that you were doing that right before you were to read of about course. that happening. <laughs> Which I actually 100% did. And I bought a book which was completely about voodoo. And then I had to buy another book a couple days ago specifically about hoodoo. Hmm. And uh, real quick, before we get into it, I also want to preface the episode with the sources that we used. I just read one book called Mojo Workin', The Old African-American Hoodoo System by Katrina Hazard-Gordon, which was published in 2012. I read Hoodoo, Herb, and Root Magic, A Materia Magica of African-American Conjure by Catherine something. Ron, <laughs> Ron Wode? I looked it up yesterday. It's just Wode. It's just I, like Ron Wode. Okay. Aron, Aron Wode, I think is how you say it. So okay. by Catherine Aron Wode. And Working Conjure, A Guide to Hoodoo Folk Magic by Hoodoo Sin Moise. Moise? Moi? Sin Moi? <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> and then I also read 
briefly about Pascal Beverly Randolph, a 19th century black American sp- spiritualist, Rosicrucian, and sex magician by mm. John Patrick Devigne. Maybe. Last name butchers. That's what we are. <laughs> that's who we are. I've been watching Taboo. So I'm like, hello. I, <laughs> I haven't um, seen that. I don't know how I feel about it. Okay, but it's cool. actually, I do know how I feel about it. <laughs> it's actually good. Dark, very dark. Kind of weird. It made me not have as many sexual feelings towards Tom Hardy as I once had. Okay. Because he speaks in a weird way. And okay. I think it might be the way he speaks yeah. in real. Because I was like, why does he make himself sound like an old timey villain on this show? <laughs> and then I heard him talking a couple times outside of that. And I was like, wait a second. He talks like, what are you doing over there? <laughs> it's like oh, weird. No. Oh, yeah. It's weird, but it's deeper, but it's weird. But he's fine. Oh, but Taboo does have a lot of african magic in it so it's been there's been like as i'm sitting here reading and it's on in the background mm-hmm. i'm also like oh that's kind of actually applicable to what i'm reading about right yeah. now so it's been kind of interesting but he does have sex with his half sister mm. <laughs> hmm. that's another. well you know what that's not too bad because kit harrington has sex with his aunt cousin and he's very good looking in game of thrones i know you haven't watched game of thrones no and i also think that Anyone out there that thinks you should <laughs> compare Kit Harrington to Tom Hardy should be thrown into a river. I'll save you, but I so just I'm want on you my to, way to a river. Y'all. I just want you to flail around in a river for a minute. You know, I like dainty boys. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. What? That's totally true because yeah, because Tom Hardy is kind of beefy a little bit. Well, also, but but wait, I also like Jason Momoa. So I don't know. <laughs> He's beefy. He is very beefy. <laughs> Anyways, mm-hmm. so like I mentioned, voodoo and hoodoo are often lumped together, but the main difference between voodoo and hoodoo would be that voodoo is a religion while hoodoo is not quite considered to be. Voodoo does have its own rituals, leaders, teachers, representatives, and services, and two distinct branches, which is the voodoo of New Orleans and Louisiana and the voodoo of Haiti. Hoodoo, on the other hand, is not a religion, has no organizational structure, and is practiced by individuals, sometimes called root doctors or root healers, who have claimed to have certain magical powers. And so the reason that they're called root healers and root doctors is because the basis of their practice involves the use of roots in various forms. And for this reason, when someone is jinxing their enemies, they say that they're going to put roots on them. And the term root work has become synonymous with hoodoo in the same way that conjure has. But then again, you read that they are two separate things. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, but I mean, we also said about five or six of our seven references say root doctors and hoodoo practitioners are the same thing. Yes. So I had also done additional research where somebody had mentioned that root work and hoodoo are two separate entities where hoodoo came and was an amalgamation of Christianity, which is also the same with voodoo Mm -hmm. or Catholicism. And root work was specifically African tradition. Okay. So again, we've read six different books on this subject, which is why I'm like, okay, you know, if six different authors are saying, okay, root work and conjure are synonymous with then that's probably what we'll go with. That's what we're going <laughs> to go with. Just to say, there there is some differing information out mm-hmm. there, but mm-hmm. it does seem like the most information gathered is that it's a 
it's its roots are in African culture mm-hmm. and spirituality, but it kind of drew as we'll get into a million different places. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think this is where our research differed a little bit as from my reading what i gathered was that hoodoo practitioners they don't believe they have magical powers as much as they have worked through their practice and through putting in the work to establish connections with the spirits build and evolve those relationships so that the spirits help guide them in addition to learning and practicing with the roots and with other aspects of ritual combining it all together to have heightened spiritual awareness and being and then combining that with the physical world to become this this practitioner of hoodoo Mm -hmm. but to me that resonated with me a little bit more just because i was thinking about how i want to be more sensitive not in (laughs) not in general life but it to the paranormal or spiritual elements of the world you know what's funny is that i was uh, that's what i was gathering from my from researching this too is that i want to be more sensitive (laughs) to it as well because I was even, I even questioned because I had watched a whole documentary of a woman who was a voodoo mm-hmm. practitioner. Mm-hmm. Because again, they're lumped together. Yeah. And she's a, she's a white woman from the South. And I was even questioning what is it internally that makes somebody say, you know what? I want to practice this African religion. Mm-hmm. Oh, was it, was it the lady that wrote one of my books? I don't know. Because this lady, she's like 80 something years old now. But- oh, no, she's not that old. She's not. That well, I was know. wondering if that documentary was old. Is it mm-hmm. new? Okay. It's okay, pretty so, new. Well, and she's not a voodoo practitioner. She's very like, we'll talk about it later, but she's very like boo to all of that yeah. like stuff. But yeah, she was also a, one of the people is was a white lady that practiced with, I guess, because she was in, when was, when was her time? If she's like 80 now, then she was around in like the 40s the 40s 30s. so like maybe in the i think she was saying in the seven, 60s and 70s so it was kind of during civil rights mm-hmm. at, well obviously towards the end of the civil rights era but that she i guess because she was kind of like a little hippie or something she just connected with these these africans that were living in san francisco or something mm-hmm. and just started learning from them and then she already had roots with like european folk magic so anyway okay that that makes sense and then I was like thinking, why would it resonate with me? Well, you know, in You're a witch. Latin culture. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> but no, in Latin culture, we have Santeria. Yeah. But Santeria comes from, mm-hmm. from African root magic. Yeah. Because so many Africans were transport, were stolen, brought, were stolen and brought kidnapped. To, yeah. To Latin America mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. It's not just, it's not just, uh, not just a u.s thing mm-hmm. it's a canada thing mm-hmm. it's a latin america thing it's a south america thing mm-hmm. it's a it's a the americas everywhere thing. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways mm-hmm. in doing this research it sounded to me like the difference between of between voodoo and hoodoo is like the uh occult uh left-hand path or chaos magic and the right-hand path mm-hmm. where the left-hand path doesn't really have structure and it's more of a do what you feel works for you and the right-hand path follows guidelines it follows rules follows regulations i don't think that either one of us is well versed enough in the left versus right-hand path enough to discuss it in too much detail without doing years of research mm-hmm. but that's kind of the premise that i gathered between voodoo and hoodoo I think, like, in that way, you're right that it doesn't have as much structure and that mm-hmm. and whatnot. But I, it's funny because I also, in my research, read that 
Conjure or Hoodoo as well. Uh, by the way, I don't think we've said Conjure and Hoodoo are kind of going to be used interchangeably throughout this entire episode because mm-hmm. they're the same thing. But that it's they that practitioners you most use both left and right hand magic mm-hmm. in Conjure because okay. the whole uh, idea about it is that like or one of the basic foundations of Hoodoo is that you. F- you find and create balance in the world, mm. the spiritual, physical. So like, for example, you give something, you're supposed to take something. It's like, that's just how it is. Oh, we'll get into it. I want to, I don't want to, no I don't want to go, but, but so it's interesting, but it doesn't necessarily, but then once I read through that a little bit more, it's like, but you are right in the sense that hoodoo seem to just kind of be like, let's take this, let's take this, we'll yes. take this and um, use it this way. Or maybe we'll just try it to try it this way and see how it goes. Whereas there are a lot of other like Western occult magic is like, we'll talk about get is very strict and you've got rules. If you don't follow them, bad things happen to you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whereas with hoodoo it's not i don't feel like it's quite like that so anyway okay. it's interesting but we'll 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 talk about it in a little bit so voodoo followers believe in an omnipotent supreme creator named Bondier, and his name comes from the french term of bon dieu literally meaning good god bon dieu in the religion itself Bondier does not directly intercede in the lives of humans and consequently voodoo priests and priestesses Call upon the Loan, who are spirits who work for Bondier. Sounds a lot like Catholicism. Mm. Who are responsible for various aspects in, of human life. Sounding more like Catholicism. And probably like a million other religions. <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. You know, that we're not even thinking about. Exactly. And generally, a voodoo service will be conducted in Creole, coming from Haitian and French. Voodoo practitioners practice a form of African folk magic and often call upon Roman Catholic saints or biblical characters such as Moses to aid them in casting their spells. Like we said, conjure and hoodoo are terms that have become synonymous with one another and can be used interchangeably. In the realm of magic and spiritual practice, conjure is used to create change that may not likely occur otherwise. So that's pretty much the basic reason behind it, is that you're working to create change, be it good, be it bad, whatever it is, you're you're trying to change something with this with this magic that we're going to get into a little bit more that uh, it would never have happened otherwise. So I, that's another thing I was like, maybe I need to be looking into this a little bit more as well, just because, you know, take charge of your life, everyone. <laughs> Learn some magic and make things happen. Conjure is an African-American based magical practice, mainly containing influences from African spiritual practices, primarily the spiritual beliefs of Central and West Africa. It was also influenced by native practices with things like track gathering and the belief that one's hair could be used to harm, control, and manipulate the owner. And you know what's funny is that we have talked about that Mm -hmm. already before – well, Skin only walker. a few week, weeks ago, yeah. yeah, where it's there the Native Americans are very, uh, red, like very cautious about what they do with yep. their hair, yep. and this is the exact same thing with hoodoo as well. Exactly, People, they, they're like, don't leave your hair out. Exactly, People, sneaky tricker, tricksters will go get your hair and use it against you. And, and like, I'm like, oh my god, how much hair do I have out there? <laughs> oh what my I'm god. thinking. I'm like, oh my god, no wonder. <laughs> Um, the, um, that was reading in my book that a lot of the old school African practitioners would literally burn their hair Mm. so that nobody could get a hold of it, which, gosh, 
I, see, I listened to a criminal the other day where they were talking about, or maybe it was This Is Love. Either way, they were talking to this bird guy, and he was like, put your hair outside and birds, it's really great for birds to use for their nests and whatnot. And right. it does all this stuff. But now I'm like, maybe I shouldn't do anything but burn it. <laughs> it was also influenced by, by Jewish mysticism, European folk magic, some of which traces back to medieval wonder books by people such as Albertus Magnus and Cornelius Agrippa, Ooh. who were introduced to the black community in the late 19th century. Additionally, much of the herbal lore in Santeria, <laughs> Santos, and Esper... I knew that this was going to be a bad one for me. <laughs> Esperitismo. Esperitismo. <laughs> there you go. Traditions of Mexico and Cuba have been incorporated over time as they share foundational African practices and beliefs, just like you had said. I just said that. <laughs> Hoodoo is unique from other folk magic due to the fact that it incorporates many African beliefs and customs that set it apart. There is the use of, quote, hot plants and insects that sting, the use of mineral salts and metals, the magical power of doorsteps and foot tracks, like you were talking about just a second ago, mm-hmm. and the use of stockings and shoes along with the hairs and body fluids to represent a person, the reverence of the dead, and accompanying highly placed significance of graveyard and crossroads in their practice. I'm, I like that they aren't afraid of the dead. That part, like, I know, I love me- that happy i love that because we're so scared i literally woke up the other day with like an intense fear of dying mm-hmm. i woke up and i was like i'm gonna die oh my god just random <laughs> like rent i think it was on the fourth i think it was on the fourth of july and i was like my birthday's on the sixth so i'm like oh my god i'm gonna die i'm 28 but i'm like oh my god one day i won't i will cease to exist and i had this really weird intense fear of it and i'm like you know now doing more research i'm like you know what Everybody lives their life, you know, there's a whole like you live and you die and there's a circle and like, you know, plus I really do think that we don't know that there's something Mm. going on here Mm -hmm. that is not just like we are forever dead. Mm. I don't think it's that's the other thing is that I don't necessarily believe that we die and there's nothing logically. the, The whole thing is energy cannot be created cannot be destroyed it always is it always has been it always will be so where does that energy go you know what i mean mm-hmm. so that's the way i think of it like where will my energy go once it's plus over like, the more that we like you know i i the more we research the more we like look into the stuff seriously mm-hmm. there's like there's enough that tells me that people like this even though there are definitely going to be people that are like these lunatics think they're For sure connecting with their ancestors but um but the people like this aren't crazy and and it's not that they're some people may have a a special gift that just it it is inherent to them Mm -hmm. but most people just like with anything else you have to like work at this and you have to create this and cultivate it so that's what they're that's all they've done and we just don't have some people just don't care to do that and that's mm-hmm. fine mm-hmm. but doesn't mean it's not real or and so that's what i'm saying is like it to me we've learned enough that it's like there's something going on out there in the world that i think you know that anyway that we don't need to be as afraid about dying as we are as we are yeah but that's very easy to say and it also totally you know you still have to go through the process of dying which isn't going to probably be fun for of course. Most, most of us and but. that's that's what i'm that's what i grew I grew up that's what i woke up scared about like the process of it mm-hmm. anyways okay so 
Okay, and, and kind of like we already talked about, whether anyone likes it or not, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself here, Hoodoo was and is still significantly significantly influenced by Christianity in many places. And as we'll get into in a bit, many of the books of the Bible are believed to contain spells and prayers that contain powerful energies and are used in conjunction with the practice of conjure. And in that way, I would say, yeah, hell yeah, that's probably why they have the it has any power to begin with Mm -hmm. is because the energy that it was whatever, however it was created. And then the way it's used by so many people in that way, perhaps it does give it power. It's like a tulpa of sorts, you know? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was watching a documentary about hoodoo and voodoo, hoodoo and voodoo, in which a woman was using like DJ equipment Mm -hmm. and she was creating energy just based on the drums Mm -hmm. of typical ceremonies. And they use a specific uh, metal instrument Mm -hmm. that I don't know how to explain it. But anyways, she was using this in order to create energy in her own home. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking to myself, I, I never I've never thought about auditory sounds as energy, mm-hmm. energy creators. Mm-hmm. But in Hoodoo, if they're using the book of, and I think they use the book of Psalms in order to create this energy, if it's thought of and believed to create specific energy, mm-hmm. maybe it is. Well, it's just like you a placebo I mean? effect where it's like, well, yeah, well, it's similar to that, you know, where it's like you, some people get just as much from a placebo as the people do mm-hmm. from the real drugs. Mm-hmm. So it's like we, if we believe it, our, like we've talked about so many times, our minds are very powerful. Who yeah. even knows what we're capable of bringing into existence? For sure. Or creating energy wise. Who even knows? We should, you know what we should do? We should do, sorry. I'm I like, know, you keep like doing the hands like, today. I'm like so pumped today. I don't know what is like really amping me up today, but I feel like we should, you and I should do like um, a Patreon episode on like manifestation. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Cause like I am an excellent manifester, which is why I'm like, oh, this is gonna happen. I know this is gonna happen because I'm manifesting it. I'm bringing it into the world. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe we should do that okay okay anyways <laughs> moving forward yeah. hoodoo practitioners are generally catholics who believe in both saints and african gods it varies from region to region even family to family as most spiritual practices do it isn't a religion or a spiritual path necessarily like we've said but magical and spiritual work that is done to bring about change as i've already said i keep saying that but it's it bears repeating that said it can be worked in conjunction with other reg- regional spiritual practices as we'll get into later meaning that you can practice every religion in the world and mm-hmm. still practice hoodoo it doesn't have you don't have to be catholic you don't have to in any way have any religion but you can could also be a bajillion others because they're all the same really when it comes down to it if you want to yes yeah in the united states hoodoo sessions are conducted in english and spell magic with a k they will use roots herbs crystals animal parts and sometimes even body fluid like she just said such as tears saliva urine etc <laughs> belonging to the person for whom they are conducting the session Additionally, like I just said, they'll use likely text from the book of Psalms, but won't conduct the session in the name of Jesus. Rather, they will call upon the saints or others to help guide the use of the roots or other talismans used in the ceremony. Because hoodoo is not a religion, it has no actual documents to pass down, but practitioners pass on their powers to their own descendants. The general belief is that voodoo was the original religion, with hoodoo becoming a denomination, kind of like Methodists, Lutherans, Baptists, etc., became denominations of Protestant Christianity. 
before emancipation, root workers became familiar with worldwide traditions of, quote, high magic, which was a variety of different, very elaborate rituals of magic. The man that I kind of talked about, well, I mentioned earlier, Pascal Beverly Randolph, who was a black man born free in 1825. He was a novelist, lecturer, and most acclaimed sex magician you've never heard of. Mm. His approach of magic combined spiritualism, Rosicrucianism, and Hinduesque mirror scrying, which is contacting the dead or reading the future through mirrors. And it combined with some good old down-home Southern oddities that he offered for sale through magazine ads. And he was very popular at the time. He was the first person to introduce erotic alchemy to the United States and sign me up, whatever the fuck that is. I didn't look (laughs) into it too much. As a spiritualist, he lectured on the abolition of slavery. And after a quote-unquote emancipation, he taught freed former captives how to read and write. He trained as a doctor of medicine, and he established an independent publishing company in which he advocated for the use of birth control at a time when it was illegal to even mention it. Not to mention now. Are you true, kidding me? True. True. I mean, nothing ever fucking changes. <sighs> okay. Randolph described himself as a Rosicrucian. He had worked, quote, largely alone, producing his own synthesis of esoteric teachings. The manner in which Randolph incorporated sex into his occult system was considered uncharacteristically bold for the period in which he lived. Not to mention now. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Part of his philosophy is that vital fluids, which you can use your imagination to guess what that means, <laughs> and energy are lost when one masturbates too much. So never mind. Don't sign me up for that because <laughs> we all know. But he believed that a in a union between two individuals, the sexual glands secrete a fluid that comes together to form, quote, physical love, and the opposite begets the opposite effect. So mm-hmm. you masturbate too much, you're just losing that physical love mm-hmm. all over the place. Mm-hmm. But when you're just, you know, go get a partner and, and fuck yourself silly, and you're, all you're going to do is just be creating physical love left and right. <laughs> So Randolph would later in life be found dead in what was originally called a suicide, but years later, a former friend would say that in a fit of rage, he, or I'm sorry, a fit of insanity, he shot him in a rage. So that was unfortunate. Either way, he was a really important figure in the occult and esoteric thought that is largely forgotten in that history and kind of um, paved the way, I guess, for the hoodoo... Uh, more mainstream hoodoo to take it take place in America. Oh, good. well, it was that towards like the uh, like the thirties, forties kind of time frame. Well, no, he was he was born in eighteen twenty five. That's right. So he this was very much early on. Yes, this was <laughs> yeah. very this early was on. Very, like yeah, the eight to think of that in the eighteen hundreds. There was a first of all a free black man <sighs> writing books and teaching people things, knowing how to read and write yeah. uh, in America, and then um, was talking about sex like this and how you should be using it in magic Ooh. i mean you're getting are you are you getting excited he sounds like an og alistair crowley mm. uh, except for like not except for a not, little wiener yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'd love to cover him one day so uh, getting into the not that of- he didn't have a little wiener but that he's a little wiener because no, he was like alistair's was a tiny little skeezy yes, wiener he's so getting into the roots of hoodoo a little bit, although they are certainly racist and pejorative, a lot of education regarding hoodoo and the religious core of traditional African society has been gleaned from the private jur- journals and other accounts by missionaries, traders, explorers, settlers, and agents of the crown. Ooh. 
despite the fact that these sources are somewhat the producers as well of the misrepresentation of hoodoo, it is still possible to extract factual information concerning traditional African religious practices that would carry over into the new world. Of all the harmful labels attached to the traditional West African religion, the labels idol worship and superstition and their association with evil or dark forces have, of course, been long-standing. The African slave trade to the New World would not only be an enterprise that extended nearly four centuries, but would also deposit large populations of Africans in, like I said, North America, the Caribbean, Mexico, and Central and South America, one of the results being the reestablishment of traditional African religion in the new environments that they were forced into. And of the African ethnic groups transported to the Americas, they all believed in a supreme being. Traditional West and Central West African religion encompassed the totality of African existence. It was the medium through which explanation for all events was sought and given, and it was the ultimate governing principle. Whenever illness plagued an individual or misfortune overwhelmed a community, an explanation and a solution were sought in sacred ritual, which restored both the sacred and secular planes, as we find in contemporary European and American society, which would remain the same for the early practitioners of hoodoo. Like we see in Western societies, traditional life in West Africa was also ordered around a rigid status hierarchy based on things like age, seniority, personal accomplishments, and the possession of needed skills. While many African societies knew the importance of organization and development, religious and ancestral tradition held the same importance. Significant numbers of traditional West African religions contained their own divination system or system of direct communication between humans and spiritual forces, such as deity and ancestral spirits. Recognized as the only vehicle through which one could obtain information about one's destiny, divination governed all important decisions. For example, the Yoruba of Nigeria practiced Ifa. With this system, the diviner used ikin nuts, kola nuts, or cowrie shells, and no serious decisions, like marriage or major financial dealings, were undertaken without first consulting a diviner to read the oracle. The traditional African religious world is populated by a variety of manipulable, spiritual forces and spiritual beings capable of beneficial as well as malevolent actions that can be directed at any earthly entity, including plants, minerals, animals, or humans. Within the realm of spirits, there are different categories of supernatural existence. And known by different appellations, these divinities are regarded as vehicles for or manifestations of God itself. So about 388,000 African people from various ethnic groups were shipped to North America, including Canada, between the 17th and 19th centuries in this slave kidnapping. Mm -hmm. And Hoodoo began not long after indigenous Americans, enslaved Africans, and Europeans came into daily contact with one another during the colonial era. Christianity was forced on the enslaved people, just Shocking. like just like Native Americans, in order to increase the small dicked slave masters' control on them, or, you know, kidnappers, whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. The kidnapped slaves worshipped the same god in the same way that their slaveholders did. They believed that this would give them tighter reins and fewer instances of slave revolts or retaliation on them. 
And it was with the threat of these awful punishments that kept slaves from full-on rebelling against these assholes in the first place. The Protestant and Catholic churches both found African religion, beliefs, and spirituality to be immoral of the devil and violent. Both institutions, which have lengthy histories of violence, immorality, and depravity, believed that African spirituality involved human sacrifice, devil worship, and a slew of other immoral practices. And so... These kidnapped and enslaved Africans were forbidden from honoring their spirits and worshiping the way that they did in their own culture, just as Native Americans were. Mm. And so you see, Conjure was birthed in the United States from slavery and the basic need that those who were held captive possessed to overcome the oppression and gain some kind of control over those who held them captive. In the most ideal circumstances, they wanted to create opportunities for themselves in a world where every single thing that they had known had been stolen from them. Like we said, you know, Mm -hmm. with this magic, they're trying to create change and create opportunity. This is why hoodoo or conjure is a culture of not only magic, but also of overcoming obstacles and the daily works that it takes to keep the road we are walking as smooth as possible. It is a culture that believes that you can take control of your destiny and letting bad things happen is not acceptable. Allowing oneself to feel defeated or be defeated is not possible because you don't even allow for the opportunity for defeat to present itself. Oof. Oof. <laughs> that feels like so empowering. I'm like, yes. You're like really, you are, you are oh, over your head with your arms and like doing hand stuff like that. So you're fine. Yeah. It's just like so funny. So the actual work aspect of conjure putting the practice into action was greatly influenced by the spiritual beliefs of the congo region of africa the belief is that these spirits reside in the earth the roots dirt trees leaves and hold the power to create change the african practices that were and still are based in both nature and ancestry hold a lot of significance and power in the practice this belief is the foundation from which conjure was built upon Because it concerned the transformation of a variety of traditional African religions into one spiritual tradition, it's very, very, very difficult to pinpoint its exact origins in the United States. The early disintegration process included a complete reduction in the ability not only to ritualize across the life cycle, but also to engage openly in significant events, which would help to stabilize and enrich the psychocultural continuity in the slave community. Though enslavement was a powerful deterrent to African cultural survival and maintenance, its power was not enough to force enslaved Africans to completely relinquish all of their traditional spiritual and worship practices. Therefore, significant traditional practices persisted through the conflict and tension necessary for Hutu's emergence as a dynamic spiritual form. Like we mentioned, Africans were often in close contact with Native Americans because they were also enslaved by American and European settlers. They also remained in close contact later when natives themselves held African slaves and when they actually hid runaway slaves from patrollers. Because of this, there excised certain cultural affinities between Africans and Native Americans in their reverence for nature, the wind, the moon, the rivers, the ocean, forests, and living creatures, and would ease the use of substitution and facilitate any possible exchange between Native American and African spiritual beliefs. So the captive Africans were forced to worship in private, practice in secret, because the consequences were dire if they were caught. They would be beaten, whipped, raped, murdered, and food taken away altogether, along with their family members, if they were caught taking part in any of their culture prior to being kidnapped and forced into slavery. 
But many slaves were innovative and only pretended to go along with their dim-witted slaveholders' attempts at forced religion when they actually were just using it as a veil of sorts to cover up the spiritual practices of their own people. It is in this way that Conjure incorporated elements of Christianity and Catholic, Catholicism, Catholicism because, it, you know, it probably initially started off as, like, let's pretend like we're doing mm-hmm. this and we'll be doing this other thing. And then eventually it's like, well, this is actually could be good, too. And we can bring this in and we can bring this in, too. I said it like six times already. Well, I in that documentary that I was watching, um, a lot of um, black people now actually try to go against or not go against, but they try to, I don't know, leave behind the old hoodoo roots uh-huh. because of what society, what society has indoctrinated them into believing and what is what is societally acceptable mm-hmm. which sucks yeah because there are there are people of african descent that still want to practice what their ancestors practice and mm-hmm. believe you know and you should totally you, be able to percent exactly and that's actually probably a lot more fulfilling mm-hmm. too you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. the extent to which hoodoo could be practiced varied by region and of course the temperament of the slave owners Root work in the Mississippi Delta, where the concentration of enslaved African Americans was dense, was practiced under a large cover of secrecy. Hoodoo spread, hoodoo spread throughout the United States as black people left the Delta during the Great Migration. Enslaved Africans of the Southeast, known as the Gullah, experienced an isolation and relative freedom that allowed for retention of the practices of their West African ancestors. Zora Neale Hurston, a cultural anthropologist and hoodoo initiate, reports in her essay, Hoodoo in America, that hoodoo or conjure had its highest development along the Gulf Coast, particularly in the city of New Orleans and in the surrounding country. It was those regions that were settled by Haitian immigrants at the time of the overthrow of the French rule in Haiti by Toussaint Louverture. Thousands of mulattoes and Haitians of African descent, along with their white ex-masters, were driven out, and the nearest French refuge was the province of Louisiana. That They brought with them their conjure rituals, modified by contact with white civilization and the Catholic Church. Unlike the North American slaves, who were traded like livestock or any other commodity, with no thought given to family ties, island slaves were encouraged to make themselves as much at home as possible in their bondage. Therefore, the island slaves retained much of their West African background, customs, and language than the continental slaves. In order for African religious traditions to contest or be combined with Christianity, they had to remain alive and viable on their own outside of the supports of Christian practice, and they did. Further supporting that process were the numerous aspects of Christianity that resonated with certain African cultural traditions. The cross resonated with African notions of the crossroads as a supernatural site and with the cross of the Congo, Yawa Cosmogram, a sign of cosmos and continuity of human life. The crossroads are a place of power and conjure where the physical and the spiritual realms meet. It is where our path is laid out before us and can most definitely be blocked. This would happen in situations where it feels like every opportunity, endeavor, relationship just feels like it's blocked or stunted. And in this situation with conjure, you would need to take offerings to the crossroads and work a ritual to ask the spirits to open Mm. it up for you. Also, the Old Testament reference to animal sacrifice and the use of ritual water immersion, also known as baptism, 
would certainly have been familiar to many traditional Africans, including those enslaved in North America. So, and I mean, and that is really just probably glancing the surface of the thing, the different spiritual traditions that have been drawn from other cultures, mm-hmm. because there's probably a bajillion of them, honestly, oh, that you sure. could, we could talk about for another hours, hours. for another hours. <laughs> <laughs> so Hoodoo's first phase of development occurred under enslavement and ended with the period surrounding emancipation. The second developmental stage began after Reconstruction and continued until after World War II. It was during this time that the birth and development of marketeered hoodoo began. Back in the 1930s, when many black Southerners moved north, root workers no longer had access to wild and homegrown Southern roots. Because of this, they began to find mail-order herb suppliers and begin incorporating more green herbs, as is traditional with European magical specialty. At the time, their book knowledge in European magical tradition was growing, and for quite some time, there were two variations of hoodoo, the African old country style and a new Europeanized version of hoodoo. It was remodeled and controlled primarily by those known as middlemen minorities, in this case being those of European Jewish descent, of course, who were outsiders of the hoodoo uh, tradition. This was a roughly 70-year period distinguished by the full emergence of the conjurer or treater as an independent practitioner. This time was also marked by hoodoo's full entry into the mainstream commercial marketplace with full commoditization of many of its most publicly visible implements, tools, and supplies, as well as a proliferation of exploiters of many types. That was one of the things that I read in one of my books was that there were, it, it went from a period of you knew that you were getting homegrown roots. You knew what you were getting 100% with what they said it was. You knew the person you were getting it from. Mm-hmm. And then as those people either got very old and died or whatever happened and moved. They, they moved or whatever, there, oh, yeah, or they moved north, mm-hmm. there were, there were just not a lot of options. So they, one of the, the person who, one of the books I read, they have their own shop that they sell mm-hmm. everything and or, or you can order online um but they were like there was a period where she was ordering you know hundreds of dollars worth of things that she would get and they would be labeled as this one thing that she's used forever adam and eve root mm-hmm. and it was like a a nut like a nut you like just get from the store like a, a piece of a cashew like she would just get like individually wrapped cashews that they would send her and say this is this and it was labeled perfectly Adam and Eve root, but it was just 100% like a cashew nut, God just in a package. It. It's like salted. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> she's, she said she did that a couple times with a couple different places. And then she was like, that's it. I'm not using these anymore. Yeah, I'm going to make my own, I'm do my own. To, I'm going to have to grow my own. Yeah. But I mean, obviously that takes time. For sure. Mm. This period was known as the Golden Age of Hoodoo and had not yet fully fallen under the exploitative and controlling influence of occult marketeers. Sorry. (laughs) It was a largely black-dominated and controlled institution. Up until that that point that I just busted in on. It's fine. It's okay. I'm going to talk. We're about to talk about it anyways. Additionally, this was the time marked by role diversification, specialization, and increasing Christianization. Womp womp. While the true keepers and practitioners of Hoodoo's old tradition fought for its survival, they were overwhelmed in the deluge of oppositional forces undermining their practice. This included, of course, certain Christian fronts, 
the bastardization of practices, and an association with trickery and con artistry. Why do these scum suckers have to just creep their creepy little hands into mm-hmm. every single thing that there is? In because life? if they don't have their hands in it, it's not worth it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Prior to the appropriation of traditional hoodoo charms by the con industry in the later latter half of the 1800s, hoodoo had little, if any, self-identification with con artistry. Superstition, for sure, but definitely not outright deception and financial trickery. It was also during this time that the Great Migration had intensified. Urbanization and movement north would displace some migrants from their traditional web of tried and trusted old traditional, old tradition hoodoo contacts leaving them vulnerable to con artists and market forces, like Ashley had just mentioned. With the temporary loss of network, migrating black people had to reconstruct new contacts in their new environment, which, of course, proved to be difficult. Hoodoo believers and practitioners had no formal advocates, no formal institutional structures, and no nationally organized hierarchy or regulatory body. In the North, the problem of locating a root worker was partially solved by word-of-mouth reputation. But this, of course, offered exploiters, imitators, and con artists a door into the Black community through magazines and newspapers. The snake oil hoodoo industry was the first to use commercial supply houses. They appealed primarily to illiterate and semi-literate clientele, and the con artists would benefit from the push towards increasing literacy that had occurred in the black community during this time by advertising in black newspapers. According to Catherine Eronwode, something, someone please don't yell at me about this. In recent decades, the African style of hoodoo has become diluted with ever-increasing European influences that has somewhat steered away from its African roots. Many Wiccan, New Age, and neo-pagan herb magic books often neglect many aspects of hoodoo that come from the African tradition. And what they do incorporate is typically misidentified as voodoo, like Bianca has said. She says that these other practices are more rigid in their practice, with many prohibitions and bad signs surrounding the practice of magic and culturally distinct rules of restriction, as well as eliminating key elements of magic for the sake of, quote, karma, which seems to really miss the ultra-important aspect of balance in the practice of conjure, where magic of both positive and negative intent is necessary in order for the balance of the spiritual world and the physical world to meet and be balanced. But also, I keep wanting to say, it does kind of seem like those magics are a little whitewashed. Oh, for sure. That's like, to to put it uh, mildly, probably. I think that's kind of the basic idea she was trying to get behind was it's Mm -hmm. it's restrictive based off of certain elements that they may not be able to have any control over. Right. So, yeah. So that whole, like, balance thing, I've noticed that a lot, like, with, with, like, the left and right hand path, with it's more that's that's what I've noticed more is that it is about balance, it's not about good versus evil, but that everything has to maintain order and balance. You can't have one with without the other. The what is it the like with Star Wars, like you have the Jedi path and the Sith path, which you know, one is evil and one is negative. Don't shake your head at I'm me. shaking my head at you. <laughs> I'm shaking my head at you. So many believe that the practice of magic and spiritual work are one constant. It cannot be accurately described as any specific intent behind that. It is instead a force that creates change, period. It is important to remember, again, that balance here is key, not the perceived good or evil. It's it's all about balance. You can't worry about the, the good or the evil part of it. But it seems like that's the problem that happened with, you know, 
white American, white Americans in general about this specific style of magic is that they were like, ooh, it's, it's black and it's of the devil because they were already saying everything that was, was, that, that came from African culture was evil, mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. demonic, was mm-hmm. all this stuff. So there was just this heavy influence of this is bad. And that's just not what hoodoo is about. No. And the more Anglo influenced herb magical practices, there are, warnings of quote very dangerous spells that will backfire like we just said white versus black magic high versus low magic and the introduction of new styles such as pagan voodoo and the author Catherine Urowode, whatever it is takes umbrage uh, with the association of hoodoo with magic with a k even though we just earlier talked about Mm -hmm. it being with a k in america saying that all of this has really diluted the african tradition that has always formed the foundation of the hoodoo practice and i'm sure that's true i guess there's a difference in her eyes between incorporating many other spiritual beliefs and fully abandoning the foundation which makes sense Mm -hmm. there are uh, there are many staple ingredients in conjure practice but some of the very basics are a candle a candle is always present in conjure practice for what may be obvious to light the path for what is going to take place just like a lighthouse guides a ship to the shore the candle guides the spirit to you and your practice while also acting as an offering okay and that's also important is the off the offering mm-hmm. your and even if your offering is a prayer or lifting up the spirit or or your ancestor and that's something else like I'll kind of talk about in a minute I think maybe maybe not that I've kind of in reading about this I've been like well thinking about how to translate this into my own trying to communicate with the spirits and how you know there are certain things that i think might lead to more successful endeavors in that way so it's funny that you say that because as i'm watching and reading about this like as i'm watching documentaries about this and reading about it i was like i was watching a document the same documentary Mm -hmm. it's called the united states of hoodoo Mm -hmm. which actually follows more of the voodoo practices because as i was watching i was like this feels a lot like voodoo and Mm -hmm. it really was more the practices regarding speaking with your ancestors or mm-hmm. being in communication with your ancestors. I was like, gosh, I really kind of want to do that and, you know, mm-hmm. make offerings and yeah. kind of incorporate that into my daily life. And um, it's just funny that you you said that you want to do that with candles mm-hmm. specifically or just many with different your things. spirituality mm-hmm. and communicating with spirits because I wanted to do that with like water because yeah. water is a, a super important oh. aspect of hoodoo as you well. You mean my next my next point water. Well I guess <laughs> so I guess it is. <laughs> it's a conduit or a means of travel for the spirits uh, it opens the proverbial door for spirits to come through and it is important to have in ritual practice for that reason and water is associated with a lot of paranormal activity from ghosts to squatches to mm. a- even aliens Yes. As we talked about in Skinwalker Ranch, yep. when the aliens flew out of the little pond. So that, too, is like something else that I was thinking that maybe whenever I try to do the Estes method again, that maybe starting off with uh, maybe a offering and kind of as we'll get into the other things that I'll talk about. But uh, maybe starting off with some of the, doing some of these things may help to be more successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll talk about more in a minute. So there's also roots, of course, as we'll talk about, as we've talked about already, uh, they are a staple in hoodoo. They will be grown around the home in jars or bags, gro- ground into powder, mixed into oils, 
all with the intent of using them as ingredients from which to create magical change in whatever form you're looking for. Mm. Roots are believed to contain spirits as diverse as the roots themselves, and their purposes and uses vary greatly. So there are a million. I mean, I have, that's what I was just yeah. thinking. I was like, gosh, what roots? Because there's so many roots. I mean, in so my pretty much half of my one of my books, Hoodoo Herb and Root Magic, is literally a list of different roots and what they are used for Holy and shit. then in, and then ingredients for ritual practice. Wow. So there's like, you know, it listed out so you and you can get it. But I, I mean, I just I figure why the heck not try to practice something to get a little more spiritual. It's like, you know, meld the different. It's like left hand path stuff, man. So like take what take what works for you. Yeah. and Do it. So the other the other aspect that's a staple in in conjure practice is establishing a link. In all conjure work, establishing a link to the individual or individuals that work is being done on or for is important. Very important. This connection is made with things such as hair, like we talked about hair, semen, unwashed clothing, fingernail clippings, other personal objects that are thought to hold an essence of the person that they belong to. If there is not directly if there is nothing that you have that is directly connected to the individual that you're trying to do work on or for, a photograph or a name paper can be used, mm. which is simply just writing the full name of a person on a pa- on a piece of paper. Mm. These are thought to not be quite as potent in the ritual, but in many cases they will work just fine. The practice is all about connecting all of these elements to enact change in your life. And change can be good, bad, or neutral, but should always be looked at as an opportunity for growth and learning, which I really do think that I have tried to adapt that as a kind of uh, motto or personal, not motto, but just a, uh, what would the word be that I'm looking for? Just like a tenet to, mm. to live by, mm-hmm. like every single relationship or situation, whether it is good or bad, ends bad or whatever, there's something to learn and grow from. And so I I do, again, connect with this aspect of it too. Conjure itself is not good or evil, but something seen as necessary for maintaining that balance between Mm -hmm. the physical and the spiritual realms. If the work to be done is going to maintain or create balance, the work is justified. But if it is not, then there will be spiritual repercussions. At times, those who practice conjure may do work that may not be seen as, quote, good, but it is believed that the work is necessary for maintaining the balance of the realms, meaning that if the scales are unbalanced, chaos takes over and it's a bad situation, which is why those who practice conjure work both the left and the right hands, which uh, briefly, we've kind of talked about and we're very briefly going to just explain slightly. The right-hand path is commonly thought to refer to magical or religious groups which adhere to a certain set of characteristics. They divide the concepts of mind, body, and spirit into three separate, albeit interrelated, entities. And they adhere to a specific moral code and a belief in some form of judgment, such as karma or the threefold law, which is very commonly seen in New Age, like occultism. Mm-hmm. In hoodoo, the right-hand path can be used to heal, to open roads, to bless, bring prosperity, and much more. The left-hand path often rejects societal convention and the status quo, which some suggest is in a search for spiritual freedom. As a part of this, left-hand path followers embrace magical techniques that would traditionally be viewed as taboo, for instance, using sex magic or embracing Mm -hmm. satanic imagery. 
As Mog, Mor- as Mog Morgan wrote, the breaking of taboos makes magic more potent and can lead to reintegration and liberation. For example, the eating of meat in a vegetarian community can have some, ha- can have the same liberating effect as anal intercourse in a sexually inhibited straight society. Interesting, but I'll, interesting. you can you can keep that tears. You can keep that for your, for your own fun. Keep that in your back pocket. No pun intended. <laughs> they often question religious or moral dogma, instead adhering to forms of personal anarchism. They often embrace sexuality and incorporate incorporate it into magical ritual. Which in that case, like okay, fine. The left hand path of hoodoo would be used to trick to bring justice, to take vengeance, and an assortment of oppression, which can often be interpreted as evil and immoral, but is very necessary, in their opinion, if used responsibly. As we said again, a million times, balance. It's all about balance. It's the cornerstone of the practice. It gives the purpose and intent for the changes to be made. And when we say change and conjure, it, when we say, when it's, when they say change and conjure, it means it's opening up a new world or a new realm into the other. The work being done is with the intent of creating a new reality. For example, the reality that you may need some kind of new opportunity or healing in some way may be apparent in the physical world, but not yet in the spiritual. But by working conjure and doing ritual, the spirits of the roots would be, would help you to work between both worlds so that it is reflected on both sides. And then that opportunity can present itself. Mm-hmm. It's It creates the outward manifestation of inner work that you have put forth. And it conversely shows the inner manifestation of the outer work to bring balance to both sides. And so this just is all it is, is just opening up both realities for the healing or the of whatever it is that you need, it's going to be reflected in both sides in that case. That's what I was going to say is that it, 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 what everything I read was that hoodoo uh, takes both the spiritual and the physical and essentially melds them into mm-hmm. one, yeah. um, one reality. Mm-hmm. The end. Yeah, well, just because it's <laughs> like they, you, if, if you, if they're out of sync with each other, I guess the belief is how in the world are you ever going to, make any of these things happen when right. you're when you're out of sync so you have to sync them up and then somehow then you're gonna so if you feel like every single situation is blocked and you're like what is going on maybe you just need to like do a little bit of a clearing mm-hmm. maybe at the crossroads so the thought is that you have the ability to alter reality by doing work or ritual with the spirits which will assist you in reaching your desired goal you use the natural and primal powers of the roots, which were given to us by the higher powers, and this allows us to successfully evolve into a better version of ourselves and to improve our daily lives. It is believed the power of the roots used in the magic, coupled with the energy of the practitioner's ancestors, creates a powerful force that facilitates magical change. Um, and, and so we'll talk about it a little bit more, but like connecting with your ancestors and, and creating a bond with them and letting them know that you revere them, mm. that you want to learn from them and work with them is also a basic foundation of hoodoo because they are helping you do any of the stuff that you're doing. So every root has a specific spirit that holds a certain connection with the earth and allows for us to, allows for specific work to be done in conjure during ritual every bit of the plant flowers stem root leaf and seeds are used and are referred to as roots so it's not just actual roots it's the whole plant itself the roots 
are a cornerstone of conjure, and there are various types to use depending on the intention of the work to be done. Some can be used in ritual for prosperity, others for cleansing, protection, or to cross someone up for bad luck and other negative aspects. Conjure is establishing a relationship with the roots through which work... Did I already say that? I think Uh I did. It is thought that the world of the living and the world of the dead are parallel to reflective mirrors. Thus, our typical waking hours are the opposite of the dead's. And that being said, it is typically believed that dusk and later hours are are thought to be the best time to practice conjure. But I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's why three o'clock in the morning is called the witching hour. Yeah. But I will say that. I, well, okay, fine. I wasn't practicing conjure, but the first time I did the Estes method, the, the first time I did the Estes method was like at 6 a.m. Mm. And that's when I heard that growl. Mm. And I've never gotten anything like that ever again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, not that I really want to growl, but you know, it was very, that's very bizarre. So right. anyway, dirt and soil are said to possess energy, power, and spirits that can be both destructive and creative. So clearly where the soil originates is going to dictate how and what the soil is and does. Dirt itself is an extremely powerful magical ingredient that assists in transforming the spiritual into the physical. Uh, and you know, like he said in the book, I was reading that the dirt is made up of our, or is made up of our ancestors. So of course it has power. I mean, obviously it, 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 but it's the same dirt that's been there forever and same as with the water, like the water that has been there forever. Mm-hmm. It's the same rain that fell on our ancestors is falling on us. And the same dirt that's was, was there with our ancestors is there also made up of the bones and whatever else of them. Of so our ancestors. Yes. So you want me to say ancestors again? So, Just say it more times. <laughs> um, but the ancestors <laughs> paved the way for the modern day, uh, their modern day descendants to be able to take part in this practice today. So like I said, it's an important part of the practice is establishing that relationship with those who came before you and it's said to open up doors to perform very powerful spiritual work if you do so as they possess wisdom and are able to help you help guide you along on your path to help you grow protect you and provide you with a stable foundation from which your work can grow and and apparently not doing this makes it so that you're not going to get be, be, you're not going to be too successful if you're just trying to wing, Do it, it, on your wing own. it on your own. Working with the spirits of the roots as well as your ancestors and establishing a relationship and honoring them is what determines the efficacy of the work that you do. And again, it is all about balance. I know I'm a broken record, but if something is asked for from the spirits, something must be given. And if something is given, something must be taken. And if you think that seems kind of weird, it is just simply like paying for work that's being done uh-huh. like you would with anybody, a doctor getting a haircut or any other service that you would provide. And along those lines, in hoodoo, it is believed that when offenses are worked against you, they should be returned. And if you don't return them back to the person that sent them at you, balance is not going to be returned. And then you open yourself up to becoming the victim of everything negative that is done against you which sounds really that's like the one thing where i was like god i i how do you know something's been done against you exactly how do you figure that out um you know what's funny is my great-grandfather was the only auto parts dealer in costa rica Mm -hmm. and they've ended up firing somebody who um worked for them and you know later when i think they were closing down the shop uh because all of a sudden, okay, so he was the only automobile parts dealer in Costa Rica, and then um, they fired this person, and the business went downhill. Oh, it completely just was 
it completely failed. Mm-hmm. And later when they um when they I think were doing some sort of I don't know, some construction or something on the area, they they ended up finding like chicken bones and stuff mm-hmm. on the property. So, that's like a big thing for my family is I want like they wonder if like there was some sort of santera that did something yeah. against the Dang. against the property or if, you know, maybe it was just and then here's the cynical part of my mind where I'm like, well, maybe, you know, you you never know if like some cat dug up some chicken bones and like yeah. left them on the property. Well, or were they like were they just chicken bones on their own or were they tied up in some certain way? I don't know. I would have to ask. OK, because that's another aspect. That's, well, at least in hoodoo, it's important how things are tied up and how things are presented in that way. Yeah, I would definitely have to ask. Mm hmm. So the way that spirits know what they are to do is with the prayers and petitions that you make. You have to make your intentions known, intentions known, just like with any living individual, as well as words of thanks for everything that they have done and will do for you. This is believed to amplify your power in the practice of conjure, as well as communing with the spirits. The Bible, particularly the books of Genesis, Psalms, and Proverbs, contain spells which are spiritual principles of power to create magical change that can manifest in our physical world, according to Hoodoo. Another aspect of ritual work in Conjure is a doll baby, otherwise known as Dolly or Voodoo doll, as you may know it. How to make one varies depending on the root worker's region, and the purpose of these dolls is to do work on a specific individual, and like with all conjure, it can be done with good or bad intentions. In order to do this work, you must create a link to the individual with either hair, fingernail, clippings, blood saliva, etc. Like we already talked about. you got to get something that gives you the essence of that person. It is also possible to use the doll as a vessel in which a spirit can reside on a contractual basis while the work that needs to be done gets done after which it can leave. And I think by that, it means you would just, you would ask the spirit to Mm -hmm. be in the, so in Congo, in the Congo, there are large wooden statues called Nikisi, which typically have a hollowed out spot that is in the stomach or behind the head where roots, bones, and powders are placed for the working spirit that will inhabit it at whatever point. Mm. Nails are, dr- nails are then driven into the statue to activate it, which is similar to the pins that are placed in the voodoo doll huh. in order to quote, wake the spirit up. And, give it its orders to carry out. When the Congolese were stolen from their homeland and taken to America as slave hostages, they obviously could not take their statues with them and needed something to take their place that was more inconspicuous. Thus, the doll baby or voodoo doll was born. Hmm. There's also the element of mojo, which is essentially a prayer bag that you can carry with you and certain elements. Oh, and certain elements such as how it is tied are very important. Like I was telling you, so like if you're trying to bring something to you, you want to tie your mojo with a string and wrap it around going towards you. If you, if you want to drive some, something away from you, you're going to tie it with a string going away from you. And little things like that are, are apparently very important, but are neglected in more modern occult herb practice. Interesting. Super interesting. Mm -hmm. So, there are additionally several forms of divination traditionally used in hoodoo. The first is claromancy, which involves the casting of small objects, such as shells, bones, stalks, cons, nuts, stones, dice, sticks. The list goes on and on. Pieces of poop? Mm, No? I don't think so. (laughs) The second is cartomancy, which is divination by means of interpreting cards, probably something like tarot. Tarot. There is natural or judicial astrology, the study of positions and motions of celestial bodies and the belief that they have an influence over nature and human affairs. That's 
astrology, the zodiac. Yes. Augury is the deciphering of phenomena or omens that are believed to foretell the future, often signifying the advent of change. Mm -hmm. And there is oneromancy, which is a form of divination based upon dreams. In hoodoo, there are also many types of practices. There is the seeking process in which a hoodoo practitioner will ask for salvation of your soul in order for a Gullah church to accept them. Today, the Gullah descendants continue to lead a spiritual life that influences every aspect of their lives. They believe in the dual nature of the soul and spirit. In death, one's soul returns to God, but the spirit remains on earth to live among the individual's descendants. It is common for funerals to be ornate and for mourners to decorate graves using items that belong to the newly deceased. The Gullah people believe the spirit of their ancestors participates in their daily affairs and protects and guides them using spiritual forces. In the seeking process, a spiritual leader will assist in the process uh, and after believing the follower is ready, will announce it to the church. Then a ceremony will commence with singing and the practice of a ring shout, which is an ecstatic transcendent ritual in which church worshipers move in a circle while shuffling and stomping their feet and clapping their hands. Despite the name, shouting is not an essential part of the ritual. But so, it's creating it sounds like it's creating energy. Yes. <clears throat> so something else I was talking to a family member about was um was this was the the dance aspect. My aunt is a huge salsa dancer, mm-hmm. which um, her boyfriend also studies a lot of dance. And when I was telling her about hoodoo and the fact that we were going to do this episode, she was like, oh, there is so much that's connected with dance, with mm-hmm. like salsa and uh-huh. with um, – because salsa is – there are a lot of African influences mm-hmm. with salsa. Um, and how – God, that was a smack. And how – a lot of dance like the ring shout mm-hmm. are connected and she was like it's it's really interesting i'm like yes i'm so surprised that you said that because i had i was reading the same thing about how you're shuffling and stomping your feet clapping mm-hmm. your hands doing all that mm-hmm. anyways sorry oh yeah tangent apologize please <laughs> then there is a spiritual meditation the purpose of hoodoo was to allow people access to supernatural forces to improve their lives. Hoodoo is purported to help people attain power or success or luck in many areas of life, which were, which included, but were not limited to money, love, health, and employment. As in many other spiritual and medical folk practices, extensive use is made of herbs, minerals, parts of animals' bodies, and an individual's possessions. Contact with ancestors or other spirits of the dead is an important practice within the conjure tradition, and the recitation of psalms from the Bible is also considered spiritually influential in hoodoo. Due to hoodoo's great emphasis on an individual's spiritual power to effect desired change in the course of events, hoodoo's principles are believed to be accessible for use by any individual of faith. Again, hoodoo practice does not require a formally designated minister. As far as spiritual practices are concerned, homemade powders, mojo hands, oils, and talismans form the basis of much rural hoodoo, but there are also some successful commercial companies selling various hoodoo products to urban and town practitioners. These are generally called spiritual supplies, and they include herbs, roots, minerals, candles, incense, oil, uh, floor washes, sachet powders, bath crystals, icons, aerosols, and colognes. Many patent medicines, cosmetics, and household cleaning supplies for mainstream consumers have also been aimed at hoodoo practitioners. 
Some products have dual usage as conventional and spiritual supplies, examples of which include the Four Thieves Vinegar, Florida Water, and Red Devil Lye. Woo. <laughs> so, if you're... So as we were kind of talking about, so as we said, it's really important to establish that connection with your ancestors. I'm going to take that to mean your ancestors, but also just the ancestors of the earth. Because I was like, I don't know my ancestors. Mm-hmm. I know like three people mm-hmm. that I could connect with. Okay. Um, but I also want to just connect with everybody, sort of. So what does that mean exactly? But so I want to – I want to – figure out the best way to go about becoming more sensitive to these things. And I want to establish a relationship with my ancestors that I do know of, uh, at least so that I can say, I want to connect with you, but also please stay out of the room when I'm masturbating and whatnot. (laughs) You know, like that's the one thing that worries me about this whole situation. I don't want my ancestors to be around in those situations, you know, <laughs> it worries me, but I hope, I hope that we can come to an agreement. So anyway, if you're interested in performing a spiritual ritual for honoring your ancestors, establishing and maintaining a relationship with them, I'm going to run down the basics of one right now. I thought it might be interesting. You can listen and see what it, what you could do. It comes from my book, Working Conjure, A Guide to Hoodoo Folk Magic by Hoodoo Senmoi. I don't know how to say his name, but that's him. So you begin very simply, he says, by inviting them into your home and your life and asking for revelation. To start this work, you want to have a few things. First, a space to do the work. It can be a tabletop or a shelf, whatever you prefer. A white candle. He said a seven-day candle, one encased in glass that burns for seven continuous days, usually works well and helps to ease minds with regards to safety because i think that's is some concern i spoke with someone they're like well how do you know you're doing you're actually talking to your ancestors not something that's Mm -hmm. tricking you so you would also need a glass of water you need photographs of and personal items that belong to your ancestors and like we said if you don't have any which i do don't know if i do either uh you would have to make up a name paper which is simply their full name written down on a piece of paper some fresh fruit for example bananas apples grapes or mangoes which May sound a little weird, but I will say this, that on the Night Owl podcast, which is all about investigating paranormal occurrences that people write to him about and ask him for help with, he has a woman who is a uh, clairvoyant. I don't know what you would, I don't know if she would even say that. I think it's a clairvoyant, a sensitive, she's sensitive, but she is able to go into these places without any form or knowledge. If you trust what they tell you, which I believe them, um, she doesn't have, know anything about it. She is able to go into these situations and she talks very clearly to spirits that are there and sees things. And I mean, the number of things that were, that have been revealed or confirmed when she is supposed to be coming into this completely blank slate made me believe 100%. And it made me go, Oh my God, I think like this could be something that you could do mm-hmm. yourself. You just need to practice. Mm-hmm. And so. Part of that, okay, so it was that many times, like at least three times I've heard in, in, you know, 20 episodes or whatever, that she's speaking to like a spirit in some place and they're asking her to tell whoever the, that works at that place or whoever's there on a daily basis or a regular basis, can you please leave me candy? Could you mm. please leave me something? Or like, please just leave me some candies or whatever, mm. food, whatever. Cause I was like, why, why would ghosts, spirits need any of this stuff exactly. but i guess the essence of that thing they get energy from that yeah. he claims that 
like say you have because apparently black coffee is a big offering for spirits oh wow and he said he swears that if you leave an offering a food offering and you say please partake in this enjoy it yada yada if he comes back later like the coffee will have turned like a lighter color that the the food whatever it is the offering looks like it has been changed in some way oh my and God. not just by oxidation from yeah. sitting on there right, right 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 so i thought that was very interesting and then he's so considering that now this this woman who supposedly or i believe 100% speaks to spirits when they go to these different locations and so many of them have asked the people please leave me some food which i thought was really weird but apparently this is like very common i and i you know i'm just interesting new, i'm new to all of this um okay a chair for you to sit in is the, the last thing you need so he says the best time to begin this is right at dusk when the transition of day to night is beginning and the door opens to more successful work once you have made space for them begin by lighting the candle and the candle serves to light the way it's also an offering of elevation to your ancestors. Once the candle is lit, present it to the four directions, east, mm -hmm. west, north, and south, because this off, this also symbolically represents the crossroads. Mm -hmm. So, cause I was like, well, what do, where, they were like, take it to the crossroads. And I was like, where's the crossroad? I have a crossroad How do right you here. No, <laughs> but there's, it could be many different things. Yeah, exactly. Um, it could be the entrance of a graveyard. It could be you make the crossroads by, presenting this candle actually we'll see you present everything to the, the the four directions okay so and he he believes that east west north and south are the the order in which you should present these things okay so, east west north south why the crossroads he says the crossroads is the meeting place of the physical and the spiritual world it's where both worlds come together and intersect they don't only meet there but they also commune with one another there so it is the most one of the most powerful places in the world and should be honored and utilized by the spiritual person. So I never even in my life have thought about the crossroads. But if I'm trying to heighten my spiritual powers, spiritual abilities, I guess, then I need to start thinking about those crossroads. To present the candle the four directions, you simply take. Oh, so then you need to present the candle. Did I say that? Oh, so you just simply hold it up to each direction okay uh, like i said begin in the east turn to the west then to the north and finally the south the reason for this is the sun in the east the sun rises in the east and represents newness beginnings and the like and for this reason that's why we start there when you finish presenting to the four directions put the candle down in the space you prepared for your ancestors and go get the glass of water like we said it's a conduit in a way of opening a door so that the spirits can come through so again, you're going to present this glass of water to the four directions, east, west, north, and south, and place it down on your table with your candle. Uh, uh, so he says there was a very good friend of his who was another conjurer man, Candelo Kimbisa, and he talked about water and how it relates to our ancestors, saying, always look for your ancestors in the water. The rain that falls now, so I said that already, the rain that falls now is the same rain that fell on our ancestors. It is the link to them and the link that opens up the door to their spirits. Whether it is by the river in a rainstorm or by the ocean, if you look for them, you will find them there. So the important thing here is having something that establishes an, a link to your ancestor. And this is what facilitates communication, communion, and opening yourself up to be able to receive the messages from the spirits. So take the personal link that you have, be it 
an item of clothing or the name card, whatever you want, whatever you have, and place it in the space that you have set before you, giving thanks to them by name as you set the items down. So then you offer them the food, and it, he he believes that it is actually very important. Obviously, the dead don't have to eat, but it does give them energy. Like you, like I said, the the essence has the ability to give them energy, just like maybe an electronic item enables them to be able to maybe speak in some way, mm-hmm. or it gives them a little bit more power to move something. The meal is the meal that is served to them is a tool that opens up communication, establishes bonds, and fosters relationships. Just kind of like breaking bread at a table, having dinner with friends, having wine with friends. So you take the fruit and you put it on a plate and you offer it to your ancestors. And he also believes that if you're trying to commune with spirits or your ancestors, that you should offer, put food at the entrance of your home as well, or the entrance of the room that you're in, Mm. because you are trying to, like, you're thinking about it like you're giving them a gift as they come through the door. Mm, Okay. So once you do that, everything should be in place And you can begin your process of calling out to your people, giving them thanks for who they are, for what they have done for you, and for the sacrifices that they have made. He says, these are not just words, but they also serve to open the door of your heart to those who came before you and to invite those hearing the call to make themselves known in a real way as an active part of your life. So, I mean, I feel like this is serious. So, okay. I'm going to read a little bit of what he what he says, an example of what you could say to them. Uh, I call out to you, ancestors, with words of thanksgiving, honor, and respect. I thank you for everything you have done for me, for every sacrifice you have made, and for blazing the trail that I now stand on. I honor you for who you are and for what you do. Thank you for everything you have done for me and for everything you will do. I ask that you come into this place, fill this place with your presence and wisdom and love. And then you can say their name. I ask you... I ask that you make me sensitive to your presence. I ask that you reveal yourselves to me that I might know you, that I might know how you walked, that I might know the power of your work. I ask you to open my ears to you, open my heart to you, open my eyes to you, open my hands to work with you, and open my feet to walk with you. It is by your work and sacrifice that I am able to stand here now, and I thank you for it. Thank you for all you have given me and all you have done for me, all I am and all I have, come from you. I give you honor, thanksgiving, and blessing. And so then he says that those doors, or those doors, those words open up a door to a spiritual movement to come into your life. And he also says that when you finish with your prayer, you take the piece of fruit from a plate and you eat with them and mm. share in that. And break bread with, with them. them. Yes. That's great. And he says when you're, I know I'm still going on and on, but he says when you're eating, you should be listening. He says, listen for their voice, feel their presence and be thankful, which I know some might be like, I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I think this, this sounds pretty cool. But important thing he says is that when, when they, are finished with the food. So after you've left it out for a while, after you're done with your your ritual and you leave it out a little bit longer than that, you do not throw it away in the garbage because that is kind of dishonoring the gift that you have given them. So take it outside to a nearby tree or bush and lay it down on the ground. Um, Mm. Like he says, the work is not a once a year thing. Contrary to some opinions, the more you work it, the more sensitive to them that you become, the stronger you become, and the more you walk not only in your wisdom, but also in the wisdom of those who came before you. He says, feeding your ancestors needs to be a regular thing that you do with them. Uh, it is work. It is spiritual work. It is called that for a reason. And you are the living temple of your ancestor and they reside in your blood. So you should take 
the power that they have given you and use it in some way to strengthen your spiritual force. So I think it's pretty cool. There's just so much that, like he says, do you come from a family of healers or a family of warriors? Do you see things are important because of the gifts that are in your blood? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. But maybe it's because I'm absolutely not connected to my ancestors, ancestors. in any way whatsoever. Yeah. So, and that's fair. And and a lot of us don't. Right. And that's really cool that going into this, that there's an opportunity to reconnect with those types of ancestors. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think it's pretty cool. So I definitely think that no matter what you believe, I can't imagine that you could see, hear most of this and think, oh, I, you that's know, that's evil, evil and mm-hmm. d- that's the demons. But um, and, and I think that hearing that what you could uh, do in a ritual to just connect with your own past, you know, like that's pretty cool. I, I would hope that some of you out there might be your interest might be piqued a little bit that you might want to go yeah. try it. I mean, I know I'm I spooky, so I am mm-hmm. obviously want to do it. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe that's just me being open-minded or right. spooky or whatever. Well, you who, know what I mean? Who cares? But who, yeah. Hey, what are we going to... What, what are you going to lose? Yeah, what are you going to lose by trying to strengthen your spiritual spiritual side? I don't think, you know, it doesn't have to be simply go to church. You know what I mean? Like, there's right. many ways to do it. And this is this is what I think as I'm getting older. What I'm finding as more... More my style is maybe there's just more to maybe this. I I don't know because I, I, it's like I feel like religion is like is there to give answers for people. And I I never have found those answers in any sort of religion that I've ever seen. But in uh, it's going to sound really cheesy, but in like in like the magical aspect of occultism and, you know, and connecting with spirits, I think that resonates with me more than anything. And I don't see why it wouldn't considering that's what we who, you know that that that's it's it's everything around us right. so anyway okay i hate to always agree with you and say oh my god me too but that's <laughs> how i feel too i don't know like i was i've told you i've i was when i was 16 17 18 i was going to church mm-hmm. five six times a damn week mm-hmm. and the way that people seemed to connect with you know singing Hill song songs or mm-hmm. whatever and raising their hands up and uh, being you so love connected. to raise your hands up oh i do <laughs> i know but uh, what i'm saying is like that I is know. like kind of what i'm starting to like that's these these kind of things are the things that are starting to resonate within me too is just trying to be one with my past and one with you know oh god it's gonna sound so cheesy nature well, no, and just, you know that's like a, yeah energy the, right the energy of the world is something that has always resonated with mm-hmm. me because and i just and i said it earlier i'm great at manifesting things anything yeah. that i ever want i'm like oh this is gonna happen and it does yeah and it's weird and i get made fun of and you know i get called a witch for it but <laughs> i do it all the fucking time and there's got to be a reason why i'm so good at manifesting shit i mean i i might say i i am too and i didn't even really think about it but I think I've always just thought, well, I just make it happen then. But, you know, but it's the same thing. But also it's like religion is like I say it all the time, but every it's all the same. Mm. Really, when it comes down to it, mm-hmm. it's all about connecting with something on a different level that brings you a heightened sense of awareness about certain things. And I, and I don't know. I mean, everybody's got their own, like it's, everybody says it, but everybody's got their own spirituality, but like, it's funny cause you say that. And I'm thinking like, I've always felt whenever probably the most spiritual experience in my life that I ever feel is like maybe when I am in the middle of the 
a mountain or something, you know, mm-hmm. being out in like backpacking and just being completely removed from society. That has, those were always like the most, if I was going to say quote unquote religious experience, that was always the most like transformative experience I'd ever had was when I was out in nature, mm-hmm. just with the elements and surviving out there. And so I never really like, you know, when people would be like, what's your religion? I would just say nature. So (laughs) like, I know. So I know, but I mean, (laughs) it's true. Like that's always been. And so that's always been something that really does resonate with me. And so then this is the kind of stuff to me, this similar, these types of spirituality type things where it is about the earth and the things that we came from and, and revering them. Like, how do you, how do you live on earth and think, I'm just going to throw this shit away. Who cares? Yeah. But part of, part of me thinks it's because you, you have a better, you feel like you were going on to a much better place. And mm-hmm. this is a shitty place that you're just stuck at until you go on to the better place. So that then you treat this place like shit. Like shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, huh? Okay. So anyway, oh. but we are done. <laughs> we're done. Yeah, that was we're lot. done talking about hoodoo today. 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 Uh, I mean, we could, I was thinking, oh man, I could go on and on and on, on and on. on. I could, we could talk about all sorts of things. I could also go into, I could do a whole episode on that, that fellow that we were talking about. He was the, the most famous sex magician <gasps> in the world that yes. you've never heard of, but there's just so many things to talk about. But anyway, we thought this was a pretty cool, uh, topic that we were deaf. Obviously we have taken much away from it. We are both like, let's go do some stuff. <laughs> Um, and I was already wanting to practice like occult stuff yeah. before, mm-hmm. but you know, now I'm sure like, yeah. reinvigorated, reinvigorated, reinvigorated. You know what I meant. But we're <laughs> yeah, I'm, we're just gonna do a bunch of stuff, a bunch of magics. But anyway, okay. So, oh, we, we wanted to give a little shout out to a good pal of ours. I mean, I say that, and I'm not really. He's probably not a good pal of ours, <laughs> but an artist who I have been buying. <laughs> everything from (laughs) i'm really like ordering prints once a week we are all corrupted on instagram that's the handle i tag him about every couple days (laughs) but he has the coolest creepiest artwork and i've gotten some like he's doing a he's done a series of limited edition prints that are so rad and i've gotten three of them now i'm pretty psyched about it yeah his stuff is really cool like the the reason that i started following him was because i recently watched spirited away Mm -hmm. oh yeah 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 (laughs) and he's got like a he's got a no face print Mm -hmm. which if you know spirited away there's a creature called no face um and the no face is like uh dropping down little nuggets of gold which is very prevalent in the movie he mm-hmm. gives everybody gold and it's kind of to talk about um capitalism and how it's corrupt and how it corrupts people anyways um that's the reason that i started following him because i like loved that and yeah. then i started looking at more of his art and i was like oh this is kind of fucking badass yeah like he has a hereditary print yes he has a midsummer midsummer print. Uh- i bought a ritual print uh like a little cult print Mm -hmm. um and then i just bought a abduction where there's a ufo uh abducting a A cow cow yeah oh my god i love it it's just straight straight up my alley um he does like cartoons like he's got invader zim stuff yeah he's got tons of different adventure time stuff really cool stuff he is at we are all corrupted on instagram so like check legit him out. check him out as we know times are tough for everybody and especially for independent artists and the mm. like that's it rate and review us on itunes um we yeah. love you have a great life have a great everything creep it, creep real. it real